Welcome to For the Life of Me podcast, where I share musings and perspectives on how we really, truly live a life divine. Even in a world with so much suffering and chaos and turmoil, we can still find that cord to connect to the one breath that is breathing all life. We are universal creators, and you are the one you've been waiting for. I'm Julie Pyatt, your host. Cosmic Family, Podcast Tribe, oh my goodness, it has been a long time since I have posted an episode. I'm sorry, apologies, but I've been uh, in Europe taking initiation in the spiritual community of Dominher. I shot a yoga video series of four different asana practices with iFit. Um, and I have my own water tiger community, my own uh, music I'm developing, working on all kinds of things. So I've just been, I've had a lot on my plate, um, but I'm so excited to be returning to the podcast today. And I have a special surprise for you, even though it's very rare that I have a guest on the podcast. Um, Serena Dyer which reached out to me. Actually, Serena Dyer Pistoni reached out to me. And she is, of course, the daughter of the magnificent, uh, divine, spiritual heart, uh, Wayne Dyer. And when she reached out and told me that she listened to my podcast, my husband Rich's podcast, I just knew that I wanted to invite her on to just have an authentic conversation about being raised in a spiritual experience. And I wanted to support her and Sage, her sister, uh, in the release of their new book. It's called The Knowing. And so uh, I'm so excited to welcome Serena. So Serena, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me and for responding to my message and for inviting me on. I'm thrilled to be talking to you today. It's so great. It was kind of like that manifestation thing, right? Like you you reached out and I was like, that's a match. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I love when that happens because it's it makes it such a reminder and such a confirmation that, you know, what's meant to be will come and you don't have to you don't have to push or fight or try. It just comes when you're in flow, when you're in harmony. So much. And that's so much of what your father embodied. I know a little bit about your father because I recognized him as a kindred spirit, as a spiritual brother of sorts, even though I never met him in the physical. When I heard him speak, I was like, yes, that's the way I experience life in that way. Um, and I saw him, you know, on different platforms, you know, speaking gushing, let me say gushing lovingly about you and your sister and his family. And, you know, as a mom of four and also a spiritual teacher and guide, I wanted to honor your father by honoring you and your sister. And so let's just talk about the book first, because then I want to get into all the life stuff after that. So the title of your book is called The Knowing. It's such a, an amazing title. It would make a great movie title, actually, The Knowing. <laughs> 11 Lessons to Understand the Quiet Urges of Your Soul. Um, so in this book, you're providing lessons which provide foundation and maybe a portal of experience or an example for people to start to feel themselves. And so talk to me a little bit about how the book came to be. Yeah, so I had a lot of very difficult things take place in my life in a really short period of time, starting in 2015. 
So basically, just to summarize, I had um, just had a baby for the first time, and then my husband was indicted and arrested. His business was shut down. Our finances were frozen for a charge against his business, like a white-collar type crime. Then right after that, my dad passed away unexpectedly. And then after that, um, I had two more children. So I had back-to-back-to-back babies. And then my stepson passed away um, from an accidental overdose. He was a teenager. And my husband had raised him as a single father his entire life. And so I had everything in my life as I knew it basically come undone. Hmm. And I was really struggling, really, really struggling. And I kept having this idea that once all of the pieces in my life fell into place, then I would be at peace. Even though I was raised to know it's the opposite. It's once I have peace all of the pieces in my life will fall into place, that the answers were inside of me, the solutions were here, but I was not in sync with them. And the book came out of that process of just writing my experiences. My sister Sage and I co-authored it because we had both used writing as a, as a way of healing. Um, and then we realized we were writing a lot of the sim- similar things or the same stories or similar examples. So we kind of just put it together. But the book came out of the process of understanding that if I wanted to, to find that, that inner Tahiti, if I wanted to find that place of just calm, serene, peace, love, joy, abundance, if I wanted to find that, I had to go within. And the book came out, out of that process, really, of re- uh- relearning my dad's work for the first time now that he wasn't here of applying everything he had taught us, um, you know, as children growing up and um, him and my mom are both very spiritual, everything that he had taught us, it was like, he wasn't here to fix it for me. But I think that was meant to be as well, because had he been here to kind of just handle everything or tell me what to do, tell me how to think, tell me how to be, I wouldn't have had to do the work myself. And I wouldn't have come to know myself as I do now. And so um, the book, The Knowing, is about returning to that place, that island that is existing in every single one of us and living from there and understanding that the energy that we bring to every circumstance, every difficulty, every obstacle is the determining factor of the outcome we will receive as a result. That is exquisite. And I want to pause and hold you in the recognition of your power, of your awareness, and of the relation of the immensity of your soul, your being, your consciousness, that you agreed to experience all of those treasures. You know, any one of what you mentioned was a vast amount of energy to hold and take responsibility for. And it sounds like you had a tsunami, literally, (laughs) like literally, you know, in my work and working with individuals in private session and, and also, uh, you know, in my spiritual community, water tiger, um, for me, the perspective and the moment, uh, that is key is to, uh, apply the spiritual perspective to the events to reframe and alchemize your experience into one of triumph 
into one of evolution. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Doesn't mean it's going to be, you're not going to be relaxing on the couch. It doesn't mean you're not going to have fear or suffer or, or grieve or have pain. But what it means is there is this beautiful, deep meaning within that. And so what a glorious treasure that you have uh, recovered, <laughs> that you have found, and uh, and just a deep amount of respect and recognition for the immensity of that life experience. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you. And I love that you said um, that, that, that I signed up to experience that because I, I completely believe that and agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think that was the missing piece for me because when I was growing up, you know, growing up in a spiritual household, the, the beauty is that, um, you're taught to take responsibility for everything that shows up in your life. And that is where the freedom lies. The downside is that you have to take responsibility for everything that shows up in your life. And when all of these things kept happening, one after the other, after the other, and I felt like I couldn't catch my breath. Mm. I felt like I couldn't catch a break. I started going down this like rabbit hole of thinking that, you know, if you get in life what you are, not what you want. You know, that's why the secret got it wrong. You don't get what you want. You get what you are. And, and I kept thinking that I must be bad mm. because all of these bad things were happening. And I wasn't allowing myself the grace of recognizing that I signed up to have these experiences, not because they are bad or I am bad, but because they are rungs on the ladder, essentially, that I have to climb myself to get out of suffering and despair and loss and grief. And nobody can do it for me. And so it was almost like I didn't, I wasn't viewing all of these things that were happening as though they were opportunities for growth and for reconnecting to my, my own dharma and my own self. I was viewing them as punishments. Hmm. Yeah, but it was, it was, yeah. So I can understand. That's why I love what you said. Yeah. Mm. Cause I love what you said. Like we sign up for these experiences and there are going to be people, probably not your listeners, but, but other people out there that think no way would I sign up to experience the loss of a child. No way would I have signed up to experience all of this financial stress or uh, the loss of a parent. No way would I have signed up to experience legal years long legal drama. But if we can understand that these are not um, things that are happening to us, but for us, we can, as you said, alchemize. And I love that you used that word. We can alchemize the experience and it can become the treasure of our lives, even the darkest days. Yeah, definitely. And I think that many times, um, you know, it's, 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 double faceted for, for me and in, in two places. Like when I have somebody who comes and they're in trauma and they're suffering, you know, that soft suffering of the loss of a loved one or a child is, is a horror. It is literally like very real. It is happening in your human self completely on every vibration. And it seems almost, almost completely unfair and impossible that anybody would have to hold that. And once I've received that suffering at that level. The only way to evolve out of it is to go big picture. So immediately, you know, those of us that have been sexually molested or, you know, suffered addiction or 
uh, just came in with even physical ailments or anything that we're suffering with. Um, in my experience, uh, there is a perspective that we were so courageous. We were so, we loved humanity so deeply that we agreed, we, uh, we committed to our own evolution, but in our own evolution, we are evolving humanity. So when you yes. go through that uh, white collar crime experience and you're working in those systems and you stay in neutrality as a spiritual warrior and you apply divine or spiritual perspective in the experiences, no one can ever take your humanity from you. No one can ever take your divinity from you. You have a choice how you show up in those experiences. And when you master the Jedi, I call it, or you master this neutral loving compassion for yourself first in the midst of that experience, there is a point where you alchemize it into the gold. And when you do that, it change, changes the collective field. So then you didn't just say goodbye to your loved one for you. You did it for humanity. You did it, you know, you, you participated in the restructuring of an old paradigm financial system for the freedom of humanity. And, um, and this is the beauty of life. It is the nature of this realm. You know, if we don't know that there are a lot of dark and very horrific experiences happening on this planet, uh, we're really not paying attention because you, you just have to, you know, turn on the news for two seconds or, you know, look at your phone and, you know, we're truly not living in divinity. This is a realm of, of polarities. And so we come in for the constriction, for the friction that creates the alchemy. But the gift is the benefit of the evolution in this realm. And I think that's, you know, that's where many of us are right now in really uh, being called to the test. You know, there's many, many, many people that are being dismantled right now. I went through uh, uh, my own long nine-year dismantling full of different experiences. Um, and, you know, you went through yours a, a, a time after that. And there are more and more people that are going to be facing this type of thing in their lives because it is this moment of planetary transformation. Um, and this is why your book is absolutely lovely. So do me a favor and can you choose one of the 11 lessons to, to talk about? Yeah, I would say the first one that comes to my mind because of what we're talking about is um, one of the lessons is about choosing sooner. And it comes from a story that our dad told um, my sister Sage. She wrote about this one um, where a man had... Uh, it was during the civil war and a man had received a knock on his door and was told that his son had been killed on the battlefield. And it was a small town. And later that night he was in the town and he was dancing and a neighbor came up to him and said, um, I know that your son, you just found out this morning that your son passed away. How could you be dancing? And he said, sooner or later, I am going to have to find the joy even in the suffering, because if I don't, it will kill me. I'm just choosing sooner. Mm. And I, I feel that, you know, that's something that a lot of people maybe don't realize. They think that when they go through a difficult experience, when they lose someone, that they have to remain committed to their grief. 
that they, that they cannot find joy even in the middle of their pain and their suffering. And I know that that's a huge ask and that's a huge task to take on, to be sort of like burdened with, to find joy in the midst of your suffering. But I think it's, it's kind of like what you said, you have the ability to change the experience by picking a different perspective on your suffering and by understanding, like, for example, I have a friend who lost her baby um, and the baby passed away in February and, um, and he was murdered and she's in this long legal situation now. And the, the daycare worker is, you know, on trial and it's this whole awful, awful situation. And she read our book and she said to me, um, I'm just concerned that I attracted this, that I attracted the loss of my son, that I created it because she was so afraid of something happening to her baby. So she was concerned that she created it. And I said to her, you know, Stephanie, you couldn't have created this situation by having fear that something could happen to your child or every mother would have lost a child because we all fear something happening to our children. It's, it's a natural thing to do, especially a first time mom. And I said, but are you able to look at it as though possibly you and her son, his name is Charlie. I said, is it possible that you and Charlie agreed before either one of you incarnated in this lifetime that he would come and go and he would come and go quickly, but that this was for the benefit of your own soul's growth and that he came here as a gift. He was a gift for you to experience that kind of love and to find that place of peace in the midst of all of this. Because if our soul, if there's anything I know for sure, it's that our soul comes here for two reasons, to grow and to expand. This is the classroom. And we go home. And we all go home when our time in the classroom is over. And I asked her if she could just contemplate the possibility that she signed up to experience this not as a punishment, not because she was owed something bad, but because her soul wanted growth. And she said that, that she actually could, she could actually see it that way. And that by seeing it that way, she was able to feel her son, feel his energy and feel the peace that he is also experiencing now that he's home. Mm. And I think that that was, you know, some, a conversation I was able to have with her because of this idea that we can choose sooner for ourselves. We can choose to view everything as though our soul signed up to have this, this experience for our own growth. And like you said, for humanity's growth. So yeah. that would be just one of the things that, that popped into my head um, that was in the book that I think yeah, that's, is just a really poignant very much so. Very, very beautiful, very deep and and very necessary. And the thing is, is um, of course, we wouldn't choose that in our personality. We do not, right? And right. I think there is a there is a break, there is a, a split between us and a soul when we're planning our incarnations and we're like, we want to evolve this way, we want to affect humanity in this manner. Um, these are the things that I want to learn and experience for my evolution because this affects creation not only in this realm, but in every realm. And the, and this realm is precious for the 
constriction, for the polarity, for this experience of, of friction, of alchemy, of these, you know, extreme experiences. And I think when we take a body, we forget, of course, and, and maybe some of us are, are even, um, we've underestimated the level of human suffering, like the level of the things that we have to go through. And so in my work and in my awareness, I really do hold that space. I mean, for me, I just feel like there is no reconciliation for any mother having to lose their child. Like I just can't on a human level reconcile it. And yet it happens every second of every day in different modalities all over the planet. And when we apply a divine perspective or a spiritual perspective, and yes, it can be sooner or it can be later, but in the view of, of the divine, all events are neutral until uh, perspective is applied. So as we are universal creators, we can apply our own perspective and transform that experience into something beautiful. It's, it's hard to see at a human, uh, human level, but very, very real and very, very true. And I would even add one step further. And that would be, isn't it our responsibility to do that? You know, as beings that came here to be a part of an awakening planet and to go through this evolution and this new age, um, it's within our power to hold a vision for the earth, for its pe her peoples, her animals, her plants, our friends, our own family in that highest vibration. What happens at a personality level is we get lazy and we go into these sort of patterns that have been taught to us. So for instance, if somebody passes away, immediately all of the language around that is one of tragedy, victimhood, um, you know, it, it's, it's all from a lower vibrating level. And what I always talk to my community about is if I die, which I'm not planning on dying anytime soon, but I guess nobody's planning on dying. <laughs> Um, but if I did die, uh, please do not reduce me to a statistic of any kind. I am a divine being and I will have taken my sacred transition, my sacred exit point. So within that death experience, we can honor people in that moment by seeing them as divine, by giving them messages like, thank you. Thank you for what you contributed. Um, this is going to be amazing. You're going to be evolving into your next life. Like I'm with you. I'm sending you positive energy. I believe in you. I know you've got this. Um, it's such a different frequency to, you know, screaming, you know, don't go and resisting, you know, right. this death that is so final that, you know, you can't, you know, you can't positive affirmation your way out of it. You can't change the events. But what right. we can do as Christic beings, we can put a lens of divinity on it and hold that vision. And that, in fact, is helping that individual as they transition on their way. Yes. And, and to just touch on that, I wrote about this in the book. But when my, when my dad died, I was on the phone with his assistant as she discovered his body. And so that was very traumatic. And it was a lot. And 
Um, and then I was with some of my family members and then we had to tell our other family members. And so it was just a really, um, like bizarre experience. I almost felt like I was out of my body witnessing myself having this experience, but not really actually connecting with it being real. It was just so bizarre to be on the phone and find out that my dad was dead. I didn't cry at first because I was just in such a state of shock. I couldn't believe it. I had just talked to him the day before and he was so full of life and I just could not wrap my head around it. And it wasn't until later that day when I finally got back to my house and um, I told my husband I just needed to be alone. And he took our baby. She was six months old at the time Mm -hmm. and or five months old. And so he took her downstairs and I just I sat on the bed and I said, "Um, Dad, if everything you taught is true and is real, then you're still right here. (laughs) But I need a sign. I need a sign. And, you know, I wanted like rainbows to like shoot out of the light bulbs. I wanted like chimes to go off. You know, I wanted like something like really concrete to happen. And I kept saying like, I need a sign. I need to know that you're still here. And, um, and I had this like feeling this like strong urge to listen to his podcast which I had never done before while he was alive. I had never done it. So I go on my phone and I go to the podcast app and I just typed in Wayne Dyer and I clicked play on the first one that came up. And it was like 15 minutes of him talking and I thought it was really nice, but um, I thought it was nice to hear his voice, but it was also kind of like a punch in the gut because I was just understanding really that I was never going to hear his voice alive again. And it was really difficult. And at the very end, I was just about to turn the, turn it off and think, you know, this really wasn't any sign that I was looking for. Um, at the very end of the podcast, the last like 30 seconds or so, he said, um, now if everybody listening could take a moment and send my daughter Serena some love because <laughs> she's going through a really hard time right now. Aww. Thank you. And that was it. And I just started laughing and crying at the same time. And I said, I can't believe you pulled it off. <laughs> I just, and, and in the moment I wasn't meaning pulled off the sign. I was meaning pulled off dying. And the reason <laughs> I said that, um, which is, it just came to me because of how you were saying, you know, we can, we can honor that person and thank them and, and cheer for them as they go on to this next experience. The the words that kept going through my mind were, I can't believe you pulled it off because he was somebody that talked about the excitement he had for going to the the next phase, for Mm -hmm. entering the next realm, and that it wasn't something he was afraid of. And he talked about how it would be the next great adventure, and he looked forward to it. And I always thought that was something that would never actually happen, that, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I just couldn't imagine a world where my parents weren't here. And I think, you know, that's probably common for a lot of people to have, like, you can't imagine that somebody could actually be gone. Um, And I, and I definitely was one of those people. I didn't think that my dad, who was larger than life my whole life, I didn't think he would ever actually be not here. And so I kept thinking, I can't believe you pulled it off because I couldn't believe he'd actually done it. He'd actually died. And and he was on to the next adventure. And it was, Oh, go ahead. No, it's just such a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous story. Thank you for sharing that. Um, well, I think, though, it, what you're igniting in me is this awareness that's been knocking a lot lately. And it's the awareness of of um, really what is time space. Okay, what is time space? And 
And if your dad is consciousness, then he's everywhere, right? He's not, right. It's not in a location. And so uh, what I'm having an interesting relationship right now with is experimenting with um, taking my energy to different places separate from my body or interacting with energies that are not in their body in a very real way, you know, in a way that's not like, um, you know, this big mystery. But in fact, I think it's much simpler than we've made it. I think, you know, there's been this sort of, you know, mind control thing that has come on where we have forgotten that we have this ability to bilocate, to be in multiple time spaces. And my guess is in the coming years, as we enter into this new age, um, I think we're going to be having relationships and, and very uh, clear communication with uh, energies that are connected to our own life missions who may be um, residing and experiencing life in different time spaces. So that yes, is absolutely. Um, and, and I've had so many, I mean, part of the, part of the, uh, the book, the knowing part of it is all just about the signs and synchronicities and messages that we have received from our dad and also um, that I have received from Mason, from my stepson, Mason, after he passed, um, that are without a doubt, real communications, signs, messages, guidance. And one of the things that I have, I have loved about this experience is that, is that I know that, you know, we have this idea that we have a body and our soul is contained within our body. But I've come to understand that our body is contained within our soul. Our soul exists outside of the body, inside of the body. It's everywhere. Mm -hmm. So our body just takes on this, this presence of the soul. But when we die, our body is no longer here. Mm -hmm. But our soul is still exactly where it would be, which is, like you said, everywhere. That's great. all the time. And I, and I know that now and I love it. I love knowing it and I love getting the signs. I mean, I always ask my dad for signs and I always get them. It's so beautiful. And, and also <laughs> just understanding, I mean, we, we often hear, you know, we are spiritual beings having a human experience and not the other way around. And I also speak to, we are multidimensional beings having a simultaneous experience so let's yeah. try to imagine what that is. It literally in this realm is the only realm that there is time. So if that is true, then there is no past life or future life. It's simultaneous life. And so if we start to imagine that even as a creative exercise, we can call forth or, or with our heart and our devotion, connect to those threads that are helping us fulfill our most heroic experience here in this time space. And so that's something that's getting, you know, I think we're just on that's, you know, the edge of like the, the new wild West, like the frontier of what it means to be a divine human being embodied. Um, but I really feel like the knowing and, you know, this book that you have shared and so beautifully put together out of your own personal experiences and, you know, you have to be just oozing with wealths of information from being your dad's beloved girls. Um, and just to share that, because it really is within each one of our own power to color the experiences the way we want to. If we don't want to take responsibility, we can let someone else color that for us, uh, which is not that good. Um, it's not that great of an experience. 
Uh, but really no one, you know, no one is stopping you. It is your own perspective and your own, uh, your own power, your own let lens that you can put on life experiences that can, you know, craft a narrative that you uh, can expand from, that you can truly, truly evolve from. Yeah, no, I agree. And you know what? So I, I don't know why this just popped into my head, but I have to share it with you because it did. Um, when I was a kid and I was little, I mean, I, I don't know, probably 10, I um, was watching this program, the show with my dad, and it was about the Egyptian pyramids getting built. And it was talking about how um, there's a lot of mystery surrounding like some of how some of these things were built. And um, it was like one of those programs that was like Discovery Channel or something. It was like the mysteries of the ancient world and how were these things created? I think Stonehenge was in there too. But I remember, um, you know, there was all these experts that were talking about how those pyramids were created through slave labor. And, um, but then there were people that were saying, you know, no, wouldn't have been possible. And they had all these reasons why the stones were so big, so enormous. There's no explanation, modern explanation as to how some of these things came to be. And I remember my dad said to me, what if, he said, can you imagine just for a second, what if back when the pyramids were built, what if consciousness, the, the collective consciousness of the people on earth was one where everyone expected that you could move stones with your mind? <laughs> he said, now what if the pyramids were built because the collective consciousness viewed building pyramids as something they could do with their minds. And I remember thinking like, what are you talking about? You're crazy. <laughs> and he was like, no, you have to understand Serena that, um, that you know, pi, like 3.14% of anything is, is when you get into a, a world of different possibilities. So if pi of the population believes that you can, mind travel, that you can move objects with your mind, that you can bilocate, like you said, then it is a possibility. It takes mm -hmm. that percentage of the pos of the population to view something as possible and therefore it becomes possible. And he said, you know, a, a silly example would be that before Roger Bannister ran the four minute mile, the mile in under four minutes, before he did that, it was, it was impossible. impossible. Right. And the year he did it, the following year. Everybody did it. <laughs> yes. And he said to me, so what does that tell you? It tells you that once we contemplate something as being possible, and then other people mm -hmm. contemplate it as being possible, we actually create the possibility. Yes. And I remember, and yeah, so I think it's like what you were saying is like, you know, we are on the edge of humanity understanding what is possible. And yeah, by absolutely. doing that, we create new ones. And I think that that's part of what we were talking about, that when you are courageous enough to go into a life and say, I'm going to go through this hell realm, you know, of loss, and I'm going to travel into this grief so deeply that it almost kills me. And I'm going to find my freedom in that exit. I'm going to find out that I am an eternal being and that there is no death and that life goes on eternally and that these people are not extinguished. And by me embodying that, I create that in the field for my brothers and sisters, for my humanity to also understand. Because when we understand, that's why they say in the yogi traditions, like 
one moment of merging and self-realization is more powerful than 10,000 lifetimes of charity. Because when you embody the realization, it's, a, it's an effect that ripples out into the field. And then mm-hmm. all these other beings and life forms benefit from that. They get that. And so this is really about this collective organism that we all are, are a part of. And, and I feel like, again, being on this front edge at this moment, it's not a time like any other time in history. It is a complete you know, moment of planetary opening of a procession of 26,000 years where we have the ability to access things that we have not had access to for eons of time. And so I, I know that we are going to start to uncover many things that we thought were true or not true. We're already seeing this in the field, but I mean, even bigger, you know, bigger concepts, bigger things that we, oh, I saw something on, on, uh, on in the New York Times or something recently where uh, scientists were talking about that they had discovered a new uh, galaxy and that the size of it completely canceled everything they thought they knew prior to last week. So (laughs) these these things happen all the time and somehow they get like no error time at all. Like instead we're just in the same looping issues that get, you know, put out. But um, I think it, it, it's a it's a profound time to be alive, and and I know many of us are in constriction, especially those of us who haven't gone through that that stage yet. Um, but I will always want to put forth when I'm speaking publicly that this is actually a profound moment of celebration. If we understood what was opening up to us, we would be dancing in the street. We would be so feel so blessed and so happy to be here. So. I do want to remind everybody that all are needed, that each one of us has a unique life print that is unique in the entire omniverse. There's not another one of your kind coming. And so um, I think you can get a lot of benefit and a lot of um, stability and power and fortification from these lessons that Serena and Sage have put in their book, The Knowing it's always helpful to read or listen to somebody else's experience so that you can understand that you're not alone, that you're not a loser, that you didn't attract bad things in your life. There isn't bad or good things. There's just a bunch of things. There's a bunch of events. So reminding everybody that these body suits that we're incarnated in, they are suits, they are robes, they are dresses. And they should be cherished and loved and nurtured and worshipped, literally. They're, they're amazing vehicles. And anybody who is alive, we are privileged and blessed. But understand that we are eternal beings. There is no death. And this age and this moment is about moving into new experiences of understanding how to expand uh, everything that we thought was true out of the box Uh, we're going to have to leave a lot behind that uh, we have used to sort of form personalities and, and these characters that we're playing. Um, But it is a magnificent time. Um, Check out the knowing Uh, Serena. It's so cool to meet you. And I'm sorry, but what is your mom's name? (laughs) Marceline. Marceline. So I just want to honor Marceline and recognize her and um, just hold this space of devotion and love for her as this mother uh, of an amazing group of powerhouse women. And 
the beloved of Wayne Dyer, who did a lot on the planet to transform energy for the good. And I know that your mom was within throughout uh, many of that, much of that. And um, I just want to recognize her as the beautiful divine mother force behind this amazing yes. Christed family. Um, so well, thank you. And she deserves all of the recognition because the truth of the matter is, and my dad would say this if he were here right now, um, she is the master and he was always her student. She mm -hmm. mastered all of it and she was the one who embodied it. He was a great teacher, but sometimes being a great teacher means having to be a, a great student first. And, um, and she was just the master. I mean, she just, everything he spoke about, everything he taught, she lived and he lived it too, but he had to, he had to go through some stuff first to really get it. Of course. She's always just been, she's always just been that like endless loving, unconditional mm. mother vibe. Well, that is the force we are calling forth in this age. We are ready to embody the divine feminine. That is the eternal creator, the um, benevolent leader, the one who knows how to lift the community and take care of the family. And so, um, yeah, I love, I love, I love knowing that and getting that confirmation. I kind of knew it cause that's kind of the way it goes, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's cool, you know, to hear you, uh, just share that about your mom. So blessings to her. And so Serena, is there anything that you want to, um, that you want to share just as a last sort of parting message or anything that you would like to offer the listeners before we sign off? I would say that um, the 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 ult the ultimate energy is love, right? But I think that so often we forget that we can have joy. We can have joy in all experiences, and we can have joy in all experiences by putting joy there, by bringing it out of ourselves and into into our lives, and sharing joy. Um, when you when you look at children, because I'm here with my kids and they're two, four, and six, so they're really little. When I am with them, I'm just reminded of like that childlike awe and wonder over a rainbow or a big wave or a, a butterfly or a balloon even. And I sometimes think, wow, that really is the secret to to everything is to to have that reverence that children have toward all experiences in life. And to find that joy within us and to bring it to each situation that we find ourselves in, even the ones that are tough. And I think mm -hmm. that um, just, you know, for anybody listening, it's like just to have that reminder that in each moment, you can choose joy or peace or love rather than this. Mm, that's beautiful. Spoken like a divine warrior goddess, Serena Dyer. Thank you for joining me. <laughs> and um, I hope, I really Thank hope we get to so meet much. in person sometime. And um, I'm just sending you guys all my love and blessings. Um, you're a beautiful collective group, all of you. Um, and, uh, and Wayne, send us a sign. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Um, okay, so beautiful podcast family, uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for your patience with me. Um, I've got a lot of content coming your way. Content, content. Um, no, meaningful, meaningful, meaningful things um, to share. 
Uh, I wanted to remind you, if you have not subscribed to my Not Cheese, uh, Srimu Do Life, the next evolution of cheese. We now have a two wheel. You guys asked for it. We created it. Um, it's under, I think it's $59, um, delivered directly to your door. And um, thank you for all the hundreds of glorious reviews for Srimu Do Life. Um, it is a mission of global awakening, the next evolution of cheese, better for your body, our animals, our planet, and our children. And if you're wanting some more spiritual connection, please check out Water Tiger, my spiritual online mentorship community. Every month I offer a relevant topic along with a technique designed to connect you to the authentic life print of who you are. Uh, it's a way to know way. I'm not taking responsibility for you. You have to take responsibility for yourself. Uh, but as one who has traveled down the path and they say about me, she left no stone unturned. I have some wisdom to share with you guys. I offer that lovingly and in celebration for the natural life print of divinity of which you are. So remember, you are valued, you are needed, you are loved. You can follow me at Instagram at Srimati, or you can go to my website, juliepyatt.com. I'll see you soon. I don't know when, but hopefully I'll have another pod coming at you soon. Um, be well until next time. I'm sending you so much love. And remember that even if no one else believes in you, I believe in you to find your way into living your most heroic life. How could it be otherwise? You are a divine emanation of God. Namaste. Namaste.